Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. Okay, so we are live again, uh, and I say again because we had a little bit of a technical issue first time around, but Dee and Chris, thank you guys so much for making time here at the end of the week to chat with me on what is a, kind of an experimental inaugural podcast episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, and and uh, I said this in the, the first time around, and I'll say this again, it's, it's so good to actually get a chance to connect with you guys because it's been so long. Uh, I think the last time... Maybe that we got to connect in person anyway was at um, at a conference. Well, it's been a year or two ago. Maybe the Show It conference or something like that. Yeah, I think about two or three years ago, actually. Yeah, about two yeah. and a half years ago. Yeah, I can't believe it's that long. If you guys don't know Dee and Chris, one of the things that has stood out to me about them, and I've, I've known a variety of couples in the photography industry uh, over the years, Dee and Chris have this wonderful chemistry about them that I think is unique. Um, you guys actually seem to like each other. <laughs> but of course either that or you're putting on a really great show in public but no, seriously though I mean your your chemistry is awesome and that's one of the things that drew me to you all um, I if, if people have not been to your website before they need to go check it out it's dandchrisphotography.com and uh, D I started to ask you about this the first time around before we had the technical issues but I noticed on what is actually one of my favorite parts about you guys website which is Meet D and Meet Chris. You have a section on your website there where people can get to know you. I, it's it's really fun, quick points. Unlike a lot of the, the photographers' websites, where you know paragraphs of information about about the photographer. These are really really fun. But D, it says that you pre kids uh, used to to work on and race cars. What what kind of cars did you race? Well, I, I dabbled with imports for a while and a little bit of the the V8s and you know basically from anything from cylinders all the way up to the eights. Wow. But he, he modified them, meaning he put fiber fiber hoods on them and wheels and all of that. Yeah. And then the, the guys will know what it is. Yeah, but you gotta tell them about your van that you have now. <laughs> the, the, the dad swag van. We have a personalized license plate that's dad swag. And what did you do to Toyota's Toyota Toyota Sienna? What did you do to that? Oh, I modified it a little bit. Tell them how you modified it. <laughs> well, because I'm a race nut and I'm a car nut, and so I had to have something that I could modify. So when we were in the market for looking for another car, um, I said, you know, honey, I'm really looking at a minivan. And her mouth just floored. She was like, what? You're the last person in the world I would ever think that would, you know, drive a minivan. I was like, well, it's getting to the to that point because the kids are getting bigger. We're hauling more stuff. And they, you know, and all my other cars you know, the kids are getting bigger and, you know, their legs are kicking me in the back of the seat. So yeah. you know, I shopped around, I found a minivan that, you know, fits my needs and it actually fits my height. And so I, when I purchased it, I told my wife, this is what I want to do to it. And so I modified it and I enjoy it. And what did you do to modify it? Uh, <laughs> I lowered it. I have modified rims on it. Um, it it's, it's clean, but it's subtle. So it, it's really nice. It's an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to tell me what you did something to the engine, didn't you? 
Not yet. I, ha I haven't touched it. Uh, okay. That, that's later. Nathan, we've got a fender in our in our garage, bumper. right? A bumper in our garage that he wants to continue to modify it. So he's the coolest dad swag. So it's our swagger wagon. That, have that a personal is... license plate. It's got its own hashtag on Instagram. It's it's pretty. It's pretty no cool. way. That's awesome. <laughs> now, Chris, have you delved into this world at all? I mean, do you know anything about cars and mechanics and so forth? Has he taught you anything about about this? Because I am absolutely clueless. I have yet yeah, no desire to learn anything <laughs> about it. Um, I have very much tried to persuade him another way. It's I, we've probably had what about ten cars since we've been married. Yeah. I think about 10 cars. So every like two years, he wants to get a new one. And every time I told him he's not allowed to touch any of my cars, so. <laughs> uh, but they always get modified new hoods, fiberglass, new wet rims, everything. He likes it to look clean. I, I always say, why are people waving at us and giving us thumbs up? And he goes, it's the van. And I will say it looks clean. It looks really cool. And we get a lot of dads who come up and say, if I got to drive a minivan, it's going to look like that. It's going to yeah. be that one. Yeah. I was going to say, not many people can say that they have a cool minivan. So yeah, props to you, D, for sure. Okay, thank you. Thank we got to put that on the site. We got to put the, wet, the the minivan on the site. It might need its own little area. Yeah, Absolutely. You'll get more business just because of it. <laughs> now, now, Chris, your pre-kids hobby was a little bit toned down from racing cars, reading and knitting. And, and why was that pre-kids and, and not also post-kids? Well, I will say, uh, well, I have no time to read. I just do audiobooks now if I'm going to read at all. Um, but when Dee and I, uh, when we met, I was going through my master's for speech language pathology and I was taking 21 units and trying to graduate as quickly as possible. And I was so stressed out. So one day I went over to Michael's crafts and got a ball of yarn, some knitting things and sat there for two hours in the parking lot and decided to teach myself to knit because I mentally just needed something else to do. And after that, it just kind of took off. And then once we had kids, I haven't, I don't have time to do anything but photography and and uh, be a mom and keeping a wife. You, yeah, keeping you busy nonstop. What, what you mentioned audiobooks. What is what's a favorite audiobook you've listened to most recently? Uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be um, more educated, I guess, than that. I, I'm going to be uh, uh, downloading some uh, some business books. But um, I used to when I was working in the field of speech language pathology, and I was a traveling therapist. Um, I would listen to about two to three audiobooks a day. Um, wow. Different kinds. Yeah. And you can actually get a, an app called Overdrive and, and check out audiobooks from your local library for free. So I did that for a long time. That's incredible. I had no idea. I actually do audiobooks as well. I'm listening to one um, called Ask Gary V. It's it's by Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a kind of a marketing, social media marketing specialist right now. But to, to the Harry Potter book, actually, we, my kids and I almost downloaded this not too long ago because I somehow had heard about the narrator for that audiobook series apparently is incredible. So I went and downloaded yeah. it. And I think we exclaimed out loud when, or at least I did anyway, when he started reading, because it was just amazing. It was so good. We're going to actually, um, we're heading up to Canada next, I think it's next week for three weeks. And um, on that trip, I think we're going to download it again for the boys to listen to, because yeah. they haven't listened to it yet. So How old are Noah and, it's Noah and Caleb, correct? Yeah, yeah. So Caleb is um, six. six going on 26. And then <laughs> Noah's eight going on 58. I think he's a little, he's a little D. Yeah, he's a little me. He's yeah. a mini me. Yeah. And what, right. is that, what does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, he has all my little idiosyncrasies. They don't get along. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he's just like a little personality of me. So when I talk to him, I was like, ah, oh, I'm talking to myself. Yeah. So it, it's really nice because I'm... You know, I'm kind of molding him to be um, that big brother role, kind of, you know, be responsible because I want him to 
be ahead of the curve a little bit as far as like when, I mean, not taking away from his childhood, but just kind of instilling the values that I have that he needs to have to make him a better person. Yeah. And so sometimes, yeah, you know, very responsible. Sometimes we bump head on things because, you know, he's like, well, dad, you can't do it this way. And I'm like, ah, that's right. You're They're just, both, yeah. I would say you're both super like rule followers yeah. and yeah. things need to be done a very particular certain way. And yeah. they're both very, and he's, yeah, very much. And then there's Caleb who's, crazy and fills a room and is silly and I would probably say is probably I would say I'm more Caleb and you're more Noah huh? yeah he, he's, they're yeah. both just great kids but Caleb has that 100% ball of energy that yes yeah. it just amazes how he keeps Lightens his family it. just so happy yeah you know? they both are good yeah. kids we're so yeah. blessed that's so. incredible that's incredible now you, you talk about the specifically kind of instilling certain values um and and Noah correct and and both of them. But since yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think you're leaving Caleb out. <laughs> but you were talking about Noah being so much like you. That I find I find uh, it interesting when people talk about being scared of parenting. One of the things that I've that I've found. I mean, my kids are 14 and 11 now, uh, and and you know, teen the teenage years in particular are stereotypically are looked at as these you know very scary times for parents. But I've really found it fascinating and ultimately and certainly challenging, but interesting as well taking on this uh, responsibility of parenting. And I mean, frankly, I've been growing up and learning through the process, but it's, it sounds like you have a similar mentality about it. Like you're, you're, you're taking it in stride and, and you're teaching them what you've learned. Um, that, does it seem that way or what, what is your take on that? Well, you know, I mean, because Chris and I come from different childhoods and different, you know, uh, backgrounds. different backgrounds and upbringings and such. And so, the way I see it is I follow suit to what her father um, is just kind of instilled in her. And so just kind of, you know, mocking kind of the things that he's, you know, he's showing his kids and, and stuff like that. And just kind of, kind of raise my kids that way too. Yeah. Um, because I come from a single parent home and Chris comes, you know, she has both parents. And so yeah. um, for me, it's just like my mom was both my mom, you know, my mom and my father and, you know, she can only do so much. And so, Growing up, I had to have like a more of a father figure, um, so that's when I had you know kind of my uncles and older cousins and stuff. But when I met Christina and her father came to you know came into my life, I was like, wow, this is amazing! Now I have more stuff to learn, you know. Yeah. And and so that's what I try to pass down to the boys. Yeah. There's really no there's no handbook on parenting, and it's yeah. hard. I definitely grew up in a very leave it to beaver kind of a home, and a stay at home mom, and you know my dad was in education and. I feel like I, I got like, if you want to say a perfect childhood, you could, I would probably be it. You know, I mean, everybody's got their issues, but I really did. I was very blessed to be in a very um, good home. And, uh, and so it's, I think it's been a real blessing to have our parents kind of uh, as a role model for yeah. marriage and for family life and for business. My, both my parents are amazing business owners and, and whatnot. So I've been very blessed in that regard. Well, that's really powerful too. Do you, you speak to, to, um, being able to look up to Chris's parents, uh, you know, there's always, again, that kind of that stereotype uh, when it comes to in-laws, but it sounds like you've got a lot of respect for them. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Our families love each other and they're just so amazing and everybody just so welcoming. Yeah. And so, you know, as soon as they met me, they're like, yay, welcome more members of the family. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, that time. They call D the good son. Yeah. Like the good child because he always answers his phone and answers his texts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, he's, and, and and not to leave Alice D's moms behind. I mean, she and I are so close. She's going on vacation with us to Canada, and 
Um, and we, we have a great relationship and I couldn't respect that woman anymore if I had tried. I mean, for her to raise, uh, three young men in, uh, in the San Francisco Bay area is not an easy thing to do. She pulled them out of St. Louis, uh, Missouri at age 10 and, and brought all three boys over here to, to raise them working, um, two jobs and, um, and has raised three outstanding, uh, men, uh, that I'm, I'm proud to call your brothers, you know, my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, she's just amazing. We have great role models. That's and very really beautiful. Supportive. Very, very supportive, helping with the kids. You know, you talk a little bit about, you know, work and family life and whatnot. It's really hard to be wedding photographers and have, because um, we're both wedding photographers. We do everything together. Um, and just, you know, with childcare and, and all of that stuff is, is really difficult. And um, I feel like we've been extremely blessed to have parents who, on both sides, who will drop anything to help us at any time. The, the only way we're able to run our business. Oh, my word. That's that's huge. Absolutely huge. I know that um, early on when my kids were a good bit younger and I was still in photography, uh, we didn't have family close by. So we in that case, we were relying on. Well, I'm sorry, that's not totally true. My brother was in town, so he would watch them sometimes, he and his wife. Uh, but a, a lot of they spent a good bit of time with just some some local friends. Uh, right. But you have to have regardless, you have to have that support structure in place and for it to be family. Uh, is even more incredible. So that's that's really great that you guys have that, and not just to watch the kids, but to to be seemingly anyway. To it sounds like they're supporting you all around, which is also extremely powerful because uh, not every parent child uh, relationship is is that way. So that's that's incredible. Absolutely, and making just you know even just making those leaps when I when D quit his job um, to go full time in photography after our second was born when Caleb came into the world. And, you know, when Caleb came into the world, Caleb came into the world. I mean, he was like, I am here and you're <laughs> to officially change. Uh, we already had Noah. And so Dee quit his job um, as an IT director in San Francisco. And I, I went full time as a speech pathologist at that time. So we went from a two person income to a one person. But then the photography, you know, building back up and our family supported that. And then when I quit my job um, just this past September, and so now we were strictly 100% photography. You know, we had to buy our own medical insurance and the whole nine. I was really concerned that there was going to be, I wouldn't say backlash, but definitely I was concerned that the family, especially my family, would be um, uh, maybe a, a little apprehensive just because they really, you know, value the the retirement and all of that kind of stuff. And I had worked so hard for, for my degree. Um, but instead, I feel like all we've gotten was embracing. In fact, my dad... Um, told deep, I pulled you aside and just said, thank you for doing this for my daughter so that, you know, she can have a life and be a mom. And uh, so it's been really, it's been really amazing the support we've gotten. Wow. Wow. I mean, and we could probably continue just on the topic of family and we'll we'll actually touch on that here in just a little bit again, but take me back a little bit. How did you guys actually meet? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great story. It is. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. So we've been together 11 and a half years. No, we've been married 11 and a half years. And we met 13 years ago in a random Yahoo chat room. Um, the Tinder of 2002. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No, it was like, it was like, it, it's pretty much as almost as scandalous as like a Craigslist ad. Um, yeah, in a random Bay Area Yahoo chat room on Cesar Chavez Day. It's the only day <laughs> that sex day even recognized as a holiday and so I was off and Dee was killing time at work when he should have been working <laughs> and he, I get breaks you get breaks and he okay. was going through it looking at the different profiles and saw me and at that time my um, you just like me for my pimp juice you know that song <laughs> <laughs> 
no, it gets better. So um, on my profile, I had written, no, you, um, I, I had like favorite quote, you just like me for my pimp juice. And he, his first message was, um, no, I would just marry you for your smile. And I looked oh. up his profile, I, right? I looked up his profile and went, oh, this guy's a player because his picture was a picture of him in a, what was it, a, a, it was a nice. It was a nice sweater. It was a sweater yeah. with a mask. No, no, no. It was a. It was a turtleneck, turtleneck sweater with okay. a matching beanie, and um, reflecting off of the bathroom mirror, taking the picture. It was one of those shots with a dirty bathroom mirror. <laughs> it was so bad, and I looked at it and I'm like, "Gosh, this guy's cute, but he is such a player." And I didn't want to talk to him. And at that point in my life, I was like the next guy I date is going to be the guy I marry because I'm not wasting my time with anyone. Wow. And so I put him through the ringer and it was about three weeks later we went on our first date. Yeah. And on the way home from that date, I told my mom, I called her up and said, I talked to her the whole way home and said, this is the man I'm going to marry. And we were married a year and a half later. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now D, but D, you have to tell your side of this story too. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I didn't know the mirror was dirty, but that was like first a, date? that was the first uh, official selfie. But that was the first official okay. selfie. So I I told her I was like, well, since she was in Sacramento, I was in the Bay Area. I was like, okay, our halfway point would be in Vacaville, and there's a um, amazing Vallejo. restaurant in it was Vallejo. In Vallejo. Sorry, because I went to Vacaville and you said no, Vallejo. 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 Sorry, it was Vallejo. one of the V's. Of the yeah. and I was like, well, Princess Garden has this most amazing food there. And I was like, we have to meet there. You have to try this, you know, this food at this restaurant. So we met there and we're having dinner. We're oh, laughing. wait, hold on, hold on. So I'm pulling up and at the time, this oh, is terrible, okay. don't judge me, but I was on my cell phone. This was 13 years ago. So I was on my cell phone with my girlfriend, hands-free, of course. And, um, <laughs> and as we're driving up, I see this modified car. It was a WRX, <laughs> Subaru WRX. Okay. Foot three gorgeous man standing on the outside of it. Um, fiberglass hood, and I told my girlfriend, oh my gosh, he's cute. Oh my gosh, he has a really nice car. <laughs> I, like, you, know, you know, I knocked him for, you know, doing the whole car thing, but it, it's probably what got him a second date. Wow. <laughs> She's like, I love his car. I was like, all right. The question, yeah. is, the, the question is, Dee, did you go pick her up for that second date? Did she get the ride in the car? Ah, ah, but wait, oh. it, it, it gets, it gets better. Yeah. So, um, so after we met, you know, we saw each other. It's like, okay, well, follow me over to the restaurant. The restaurant was like a couple blocks down. Yeah, because we were in separate cars. And um, so we were eating dinner. We are having fun. And uh, I had injured my hand um, snowboarding um, a few, what was it, like a few weeks or a few weeks. I think it was that weekend. That weekend. You had broke your hand or something. Yeah, so, um, so I couldn't cut my fingernails on my other hand. So I was literally growing claws <laughs> was bad. I was like I'm so sorry I just don't have anybody cut my fingernails um, oh like, no yeah she looked at my head she's like oh my gosh we gotta let's go to Target I'll get some you know some clippers and then we'll we'll cut your fingernails and, <laughs> like that's amazing so I she, think that got yeah, me a few points yeah they got her a few points I was like this is amazing so we're trimming we're before before we do that we're running down the aisles, and I grabbed this football. No, we got in the car. Nope. No, yeah, no, because no, that's when we got in the car and drove over to Target. Okay, remember? That's right. So I, you, he opened the door for me to get in the car, and I reached over and opened his door, oh. and he got in the car. And what did you say to me? I said, "Now I have to marry you." you, said, you know what, yeah, you said, "You know what they say about girls who open the car for the guys." Yeah. Now I got to marry you. That's what he said. And then we went over to Target, and this is how he ensured his second date with me. So what did you do? All right, so. 
at the time they had these cars called modifiers, <laughs> and they're they're hot wheel cars. And they're a little small, you know, uh, you know like sixteen scale yeah, or something. Right. They're tiny. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 Anyway, yeah, he yeah. said, go pick out whatever car you want, and then on our next, and modify it, and on our next date, we'll switch we'll, cars. We'll swap them. And so that kind of secured my second date. Yeah. That's, and I've never heard anything even close to that before. That's quite creative. So the combination of cars and willingness to cut the other person's fingernails yeah. ultimately brought you guys together then. Yeah. Cars and service. Let's put it that way. Okay. That, <laughs> it, was, that's, it was hilarious. It serving was, one another. It was such an amazing date. It, it was, was. Yeah. It was such an amazing date. It was. And then we really, we really courted, I would say, for about three months. Like we went on real, you know, um, like actual dates. actual dates, dates. There was no, what do the kids call it now? Like. And Netflix and chill. There was none yeah. of that. Like, it was all... Like, like I planned a lot of dating. Yeah, first. like, we went... We dated, 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 which was really nice. And then I kept track of every date we went on. And then I think on our one-year anniversary, I gave him a box that had a list of every date and how I felt about every day after. Oh, my goodness. Wow, you guys are romantics. That's incredible. Well, and there's a key to a long marriage and a happy marriage and a romantic marriage. So we continue to flirt every day. I Continue to date. Continue to date. We flirt heavily with each other. We're constantly flirting with each other. And, um, yeah, yeah, we're pretty annoying that way. I, that's amazing. That, no, no, seriously, that's incredible. And actually, I was going to ask you all about your relationship uh, and, and, and how that ties into business here. In fact, I'll, I'll delve into that in just a little bit. But let's, let's jump to photography for a second. How did you then get into photography? Um, you were already in it. You were doing black and white before I met you. I took some photography in college. Yeah. I took a lot of stuff in college and I really, really loved it. Um, but my brother, who's a uh, Santa Barbara based um, wedding photographer, he got into it and D was like, that's cool. Can I shoot some weddings with you? So you bought your first camera. What was it? A Canon 30, 30 D. Yeah. And he shot a few weddings with my brother in Santa Barbara or just actually at the time he was, he was up here. here yeah. He was local up here to Sacramento area. And uh, you liked it. And then a few people asked yeah, just asked me to you know do a couple portraits. And I was like, I don't oh, yeah, know what portrait. I'm doing. I'm still learning. Yeah, this was, was like, oh, no worries. You can kind of experiment on us. And I was like, okay. And so I just started from there, and um, you know, did a couple things with Matt. Just kind of followed along with him, and kind of you know behind the scenes, just kind of looking and see if this is something I want to get into. And then I booked my first wedding, and then from there, it just kind of. Yeah, you had a second shooter. You had somebody he was working with, yeah. and we decided. I realized very quickly, though, that this was either going to be another expensive hobby like cars, or um, <laughs> this actually, you know, be something. And so, um, D asked me. He's like, "Well, would you mind, you know, second shooting with me? I know you know photography. Would you mind doing it?" I said, "Yeah." So we went on our first wedding together, and after that, he was like, "I only want you shooting with me." Wow. So yeah. And how long ago was that wedding that you shot together for the first time? Nine years ago. Nine years ago. Yeah. Wow. About nine years ago. And then six years ago, you quit your job and went full-time photography. And that time, we were shooting about 25 weddings a year. Yeah. Whoa. And I went part-time. I don't know if you remember, Nathan, but you and I talked that last time I saw you. And I was like, I need to either quit my job or go part-time or do something. It was about three years ago. And after yes. our discussion, you were a big like inspiration to me. And after that discussion, I went part-time. And then I never forgot that that discussion and then that I quit my job. So we shot 55 weddings last year. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah, because we I remember crying. after you talked to her. Yes, but after she had spoken to you, she came to me and she was crying in tears. She's just like, she wasn't holding this together. She's like, I want to be a mom. I can't do, you know, work full time and then help you on the weekends. And, you know, like my life is being, it's in turmoil. Yeah. And now she spoke to you and I was like, you know what? 
go part-time go yeah. part-time and, and then we'll, we'll make it work we'll make it work and then she came to me again she's like i can't do part-time because they're giving me full-time hours dude and, we had 55 weddings yeah. though like it was great oh, wow it's the point though where i said how much money do we need like i mean really because my job was a speech pathologist brings in very good money and, and, and it had the retirement and the medical and stuff. And, I'm, and then obviously shooting 55 weddings, you know, we're bringing in an income. It was like, it's just that scary, um, that leap, that leap is that that was a scary leap for us to make. But, you know, people have advised me, they said, when you put your all into it though, it really does pay off and it, it has, it is more than paid off. We're doing fine. That's incredible. Well, I, I think it's, and it's that element too, probably of leaving, uh, the notion or the idea of stability, kind of setting that aside and, and doing your own thing where you are absolutely responsible for your income. You are the one that is driving that. And like you said, you're giving up the, the benefits. That's another piece and it becomes really expensive. So there are a lot of factors that go into the, the, the fear innate to jumping out and, and doing something full time. Totally get that. But uh, kudos to you guys for just diving in and going for it. That's really powerful. I feel like when you give into that though, like, when we really, quote unquote, did it, you know, we're going to make it like we just opened up a studio too two months ago. So a beautiful studio in Midtown Sacramento, which was another huge leap for us just financially. And I feel like when you make those huge strides, um, the pressure's on. And when the pressure's on, so long as you have the skills, the support, um, you're going to succeed. You know, if you have the work ethic, I mean, you, you kind of almost can't fail. Um and, and I think our, our clients and our, our um, you know, our couples have recognized that and support it. And so we just go into every wedding going, this has got to, we have to pretend that this is our only wedding of the year. And every, every wedding and every booking and every year is going to come off of this wedding. And I feel like if you mentally go into it and um, you're very reliant on it, you're going to succeed. That's really powerful advice. I, mean, I was actually going to ask you next, what, what is, I mean, Photographers could take that advice and run with it and benefit significantly from it already. But if you were to go back to kind of the earlier years of the photography business and do something different, um, what would that be? Or is there anything that you would have done different? Um, Probably market. Marketing was probably a big component there. I mean, because back then, you, you know, when you dove into it, you didn't really know exactly what you wanted or you know, how to build a brand and just kind of create your business so that way people are attracted to it. So I would say definitely marketing and branding. I'd say price point too. Price point, yeah. You know, it's funny, Nathan, when you, we've gotten to the point, I think, in our business that we have, I would consider us fairly successful. Um, You can lose that at any time. And so you always have to continue to build on it. But when I look at like the path that got us to where we are now and what I would have done different, I don't know if I'd say we would have done most anything different because I, I feel like our failures sometimes are our biggest success. So the failures along the way is are really when we truly learned the most. Do you know what I mean? Like six, the, when you make a successful move, you don't recognize it so much as when you fail, fail, fail. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, some failure things, you know, with the marketing, I, I definitely think we learned a lot. Um, I think we're, we're very good marketers now. I think we we're very successful in that area, but that's because we, we did learn some things along the way. Yeah. Um, I think continuity was a huge deal. I think as new newer photographers, as they're learning their style, I mean, we really jumped in with both feet and didn't know our style early on. So learning your style and and not being afraid to take risks was was a huge thing. Right, staying consistent and you know and not 
you know, switching your styles, you know, this way, this way, just because of what the market dictates. Yeah. It's just like stick with what you know and, and put your heart into it and just go with it. And what you're passionate about yeah. too. Like I, I think early on, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this though, so I don't know if I do it necessarily differently, but I think early on um, we did put our toes, dipped our toes in a lot of areas. So whether it was um, boudoir or, um, you know, at weddings and portrait and family and infants and seniors and, you know, all the, doing everything commercial and seven and, and um i think it was at the same conference that i we talked with you nathan is when everybody was talking about really you know find your niche and, and stick with it and i once we did that we went real successful real fast um because wedding you know brides want a photographer who shoots brides uh especially the higher end brides they want a photographer who does weddings they don't want somebody who's also um you can still shoot babies and still shoot all of this but um they want they want a, a, a couple who, or a photographer who, this is what they do and this is what they know. And I think once we really changed our entire website to only show that, um, the, the leads came in pouring. Well, and it also makes, it, it creates a scenario in which you can run, at least from my perspective anyway, a more efficient business, right? You don't have as many moving parts. You're allowed to, you're yeah. able to focus on one particular area and that allows you to run a, a bit more efficient business as well. Uh, A lot of photographers and and I think business owners in general, it's easy to get caught up in the many, many moving parts or what can can be potentially be many moving parts of a business. And I think specializing, focusing on one, maybe two particular areas um, would help address that that particular issue and then allow the the photographer or photographers to find a better balance, too. And I actually wanted to, to kind of touch on that next is. Burnout. <laughs> Burnout. Yeah. Well, you know, and balance is such a kind of a cliche word almost, and it's very subjective. And uh, but how would you guys say that you find that that balance between um, business and family, especially with two kids? I mean, what is what does that scenario look like to you all? <laughs> when we find it, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I, I mean, we we. I mean, people ask us this all the time. Well, how do you manage to do, you know, take care of the kids and run a household and do this and this and that? And it's basically as we're just learning as we go along, but we know that family is so important. And so we focus on family. So we always calendar out everything that we need to do with the family. Like Chris and I, if we're not like super swamped, we set a date where we're going to go on a date. Yes. And then we go to the movies, we step away from everything. Yes. And if the kids are in school, we work during that time. And then when the kids are out of school, you know, we stop all our time on them. So they're not coming into the rooms going, hey, mom, dad, you're in the computer. Come Again. Yeah. You know, and so we felt that in the beginning, like, you know, most photographers do when their we kids see them on the computer. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for them to, you know, because they don't want to see their parents on the computer all the time. They want to be able to interact. So I said, Chris, you know, with the studio coming, it's perfect because now it's, the office is away from the house yeah. and the kids can see us and play with us and spend time with us. And so, I, I think one of the biggest things Dee established, at least in the home, because we did have a home, we still have a home base. I mean, we're at home right now, but um, one of the big rules that you laid down was both of us cannot be on the computer at the same time. Right. So if he has to knock out like a wedding or teasers or do whatever he has to do, um, then I'm not supposed to be on the computer. But if, if I like have to do with because we have very divided roles in our, in our, in our business, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. But, um, if I have to do some things, I'll say, you know, D, I got like at least four hours worth of work. So when can I carve that in? So then he says, okay, well I'll take the kids from this time to this time. 
because what we were finding, if we were both on the computer, then essentially the kids are being watched by themselves and, and that's not fair to them either. Um, or, you know, put them in camp or in their in school. So I think that that rule um, in our home has been huge just for the well-being of our kids. And so that one of us is, is doing, you know, childcare at, at certain times. That's been a big deal. And the well, other thing, the other thing too, is um, scheduling out a vacation this year. So that was, uh, like I said, last year, 55 weddings. So this year he said, pick two weeks. We're not booking, you know, two weekends. And so we had um, essentially 18 days of vacation. And that was another, that was a scary thing to do. Um, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah. And then also I want to touch on that is that um, this year we kind of backed out, you know, backed out a little, backed off a little bit of more of the weddings. And we and capped it off of, at 43. Yeah, and then kind of spread everything out throughout the year. So then that way we still had, you know, a lot of weekends where we can spend with the kids, especially during the summer. Right. Um, we can say, let's do a lot of day trips. And so we've done a lot this year um, with the kids, just, you know, reorganizing our life again, making yeah. sure they're in the priority and that they feel loved. They're number one. We're not going to get those years back, but we still want to be able to like, hey, we're here, let's go and do something. And so that's what we're a doing. A lot of family time. A lot time. of family time. And I love I love that theme. That's that's been a theme throughout our conversation, and and I have so much respect for you guys for that. And it seems too that the the focus is on being proactive uh, and making time for each other, proactive and making time for your kids. And I have a lot of respect for that as well because uh, I mean I know I've been guilty multiple times over whether it's with this particular topic or otherwise of uh, letting things happen versus making them happen, deciding how it's going to be, setting up a structure, putting a system in place and making it happen. Uh, right. That's that's incredible that you guys are doing that. And it, and it speaks volumes, certainly for the priority that you put on each other and your family. So uh, again, kudos to you for that. That's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I, I will touch, you mentioned earlier that the different roles that, that you all have that you've kind of uh, split up amongst the, yourselves. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to working together, being business partners, but then also being husband and wife, how do you how do you maintain a really great relationship on on a personal level, uh, while still being effective or st still maintaining some type of an effective business partnership as well? Because I know that can be really tough. Extremely divided roles and um, watching each other's ego, I would say, is huge. Like, nope. yeah. When you say watching each other's ego, do you mean calling each other on it or watching your own or what, what does that look like? Being careful to not hurt the other one's ego. So it's, it's really easy, I would say, especially with art. So we're both shooting. So the roles are divided as you do what you do. the. So Dee's the lead photographer. I am not. Although I, I would say you're lead photographer, but I'm definitely the face of the business right. because people book with through me. Right. Um, so he does all the editing. I haven't used Lightroom or Photoshop in years. I'm not allowed to touch them. I'm not allowed to open <laughs> doing anything because, um, or else we're just going to drive each other nuts. I mean, you're, you are a photographer. You know that there's 5,000 different ways to shoot something and edit something and, and, and all of that. So if, if we're both, so we shoot everything together. We shoot every wedding together. We shoot every engagement session together. So it would be very easy, you know, if one person missed the shot or if I would have shot it different or he would have shot it different or um, he's excited about a picture, but I don't quite like it so much or whatever, right? It's really easy, I think, to, to quote unquote, critique your partner. Yes. Um, when you're married to your partner, um, you got to just shut up uh, and, and say, you know what? That is great and walk away from it, even if it's not 
the way you would do it because you can hurt feelings and, and hurt, um, and you could destroy not only a marriage, but a, a working relationship very quickly. So I think definitely, um, being kind to one another, being submissive unto one another is, is critical. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I think shutting up a lot is is pretty important. It's like bite your tongue and just go. Ah! And we both <laughs> we both do it quite a bit. I would say for every wedding, we get in one little snip. I mean, like one little, you know. We run out of the way. I'm trying to get a shot. No, or, or it's, and it's usually we're tired and that. And so I think um, he and I are very very um, good at looking at each other and seeing when the other one's about to break. So whether it's whether it's in the home or at, you know during. We know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. Like I know D D is a phenomenal photographer. Anything you see on our website is usually what he took. He's got this creative vision and this amazing mind um, that I've really learned to respect. And sometimes he's doing a shot that I'm like, is this a waste of time? I don't know why are we, you know, in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Cause I'm very type a look at the timeline, make sure we're keeping things moving. You know, all the classic shots, making sure we get them. His brain is I wonder if I could bounce this, you know, light here and then I'm going to put this strobe there and let's, you know, and so I've had to kind of learn to just let him do his thing. Um, and, you know, he's also had to kind of go, okay, Christina's psycho and I'm just going to do it this way. <laughs> Which is, I think that that's, that's yeah, it's, what we've it's done. It's a great, great way to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? How do you put up with me? I just look at you and I go, oh, you're so beautiful. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so lucky. And then I just, a great response. Yeah, I just and I walk away. Yeah. And we flirt a lot. Like usually when we're irritated with each other is usually when we'll do our most flirting. So then you're like, wait, is it is he doing that because he's pissed off at me or is he doing it because he loves me? <laughs> it doesn't matter because by the time then he and I are both laughing and giggling and then we don't care anymore. Okay. That's, that's what we do. I think we, I'm that's like, exactly oh, you're so cute and sexy and I love your lips. Give me a kiss and we walk away and now we're happy. That's how I think we try to go through wow. our whole life yeah. um, or else we're just going to be irritated all the time and that sucks. It takes more energy to be mad than it does to be happy. Yeah, amen to that. So I don't got time to be irritated. So what's well, the- yeah, and it's you know it's such a cliche phrase. You hear it, but it's it is so true. And it's interesting to me how even you know a, a phrase like you just mentioned, you know, you're so sexy, or I love your lips, or whatever it may be, that just takes a few seconds to say, a little proactivity, a little bit of self awareness yep. uh, to put out there. Just that just that little bit of effort can turn everything around, and that's really really powerful. Oh, uh, absolutely. You guys exercise really? a certain level of awareness about yourselves and about each other that that is. Uh, I think unusual, and it, it speaks volumes. But I, I have a lot of respect for you for that. That's really incredible, especially our roles, our our key roles. You know, are, in the business, yeah. in the business, are you know, is what we say. From Christina doesn't edit. I don't touch any marketing. You know, I don't touch the website. That's all her. That's all the blog stuff. The client meetings. You know, I used to do them, but then it, I transitioned them over to her. I was like, you're probably way better than this than I am and sir she is and I'm like excited about it he's not allowed to go to those meetings I'm not allowed to go <laughs> don't want to talk about the shoes and the dress the whole time so I, it, yeah it was you know so I would procrastinate in the meetings and Chris was like no this is not how I do this I was like all right I'm totally so he's out you know, so I'm out of it I'm like you're the talent yeah. anyway just go away let so, me do this yeah. so she does it and then I just sit back and I wait till she gets home and she's excited about it I was like all right perfect can't wait to meet him yeah you know and um and so that's where we are yeah so sometimes I'll get the I'll get to meet them. You know, most Very of the time rarely. I yeah. No. Until we like do an engagement session or. Yeah. Then everybody loves D though. Everybody, the minute you meet, you meet D, you love D. So, um, when we're shooting, I always tell brides that I'm like, you'll love him. You'll, you'll be fine. And they always tell me you're right. He's so easy to get along with. He makes me feel comfortable immediately. So 
it works good. That's incredible. Well, you know, back when I got started in photography, uh, couples who were photographing together, it was kind of a unique concept at the time. And now it's, it's so popular. Right. Uh, I know that even, even if the photographers, especially that are working with, uh, with a partner or otherwise, um, if they don't hear anything else in this interview, if, if they take away what you guys are just sharing and apply that, um, they're going to be, they're going to be set. They'll be golden. So I, thanks for sharing that. That's really powerful. When I reached out to you guys about doing the, doing the podcast interview, I had asked if we could delve into a conversation about racial tension, uh, right. that's, that's prominent in the media right now. And you guys are in a unique position being a biracial couple to, to kind of lend some interesting perspective, insight to the topic. And rather than asking too many specific questions, I, I want to let you guys just kind of open up about your perspective on it in general, but then also specifically how it relates to the photography industry as well. Well, and it's even more, it's a little bit even more interesting is uh, Dee's father is actually a police officer in St. Louis. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I think we we come with a, a fairly unique perspective. This last week is, was was pretty hard. I had quite a few tears, and uh, we had I, I had to walk away from the news a lot just because it was it was hard on on a lot of aspects. Um, and you know, he and I had to I sit down, and we didn't even want to talk about it for a while too. But I said, "Where do you fall on this this whole situation?" You know, and and uh, and I mean, you've had your experience with in Alameda with some police right. officers. Right. I mean, we've at some point, you know, we've all kind of ran into the law in, in a way that we really shouldn't have, or, you know, circumstances. We'll say what happened in Alameda. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. And, um, so I, I, I explained to Chris what had happened to me, um, one day, and this was when I was in high school and uh, a, long time ago. a long time ago. And I explained to her, this is what had happened. And, you know, there, there wasn't much you can do about it. It's just some people, or, or just the way they are, and you try to you, you try to look, walk past it and try to be the bigger person. Um, but it's a it's a really hard subject because where I come from, because I have to think about you know like race and you know family being in police officer and you know how I teach my kids. Like this is something that just happened, and it's sad that it happened. But how do I explain it to them to make them understand to where it's just like. There are people in the world who are loving, kind, and generous, and then there's the other side of the spectrum where they just hate, hate, hate for no apparent reason, where there's no real understanding of why they hate, but they just do. And when you're trying to explain that to an eight and a six-year-old, especially when one of your kids wants to be a policeman, mm -hmm. and you're just like, son, I am so happy that you want to give your life for others to make others feel safe. Yeah. And then on other perspectives, like, this is who you are and people will hate you because of, you know, what they see, but not your heart. Your heart could be just, you know. And that's not saying, you know, police yeah. officers hate our kids. We're not even right. saying no, like we're that. We're not saying that. And sure. it's just, D had an experience when he was younger, as I was going uh, yeah. to say. They were riding some bikes in Alameda and some nice bikes and a, a police officer stopped him. And what did he say to you guys? He said, uh, do you know why I stopped you? And then we're just looking at it like, hmm. No, we don't know why you stopped us. And he said, well, I stopped you because you're riding these nice bikes and you're black. And so my cousin and I looked at each other and we're just like, did that just happen? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, and then so, he, you know, he just kind of drove off and, you know, it kind of set the tone of like, like, am I different? Did, did I yeah. do something wrong? I mean, because this, he's am black. I supposed to have a bad bike because I'm black? I, I, you know, yeah. so it was just kind of a, a weird situation. Um, 
you like, know, I feel like yeah. there's we. I think we get we get the 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 perspective of there. There's communities, unfortunately, that have been targeted. There's area. There's people that have been targeted unfairly because of the color of their skin, um, and uh, and it's and so we we get the the Black Lives Matter movement in regards to not that all lives don't matter because all lives matter. But um, I think that goes without saying. I think the Black Lives Matter um, is just saying that we also matter and that we want to matter as well. Um, what happened in Dallas is obviously, I mean, I, that goes without saying, it's probably the worst thing that could have ever happened. Um, somebody went rogue and, and, and shot a bunch of people. There's obviously some, some stupid people out there and heinous people out there. Um, we strongly support law enforcement, and I believe that most law enforcement um, are, are there to, to protect and serve. They're my family. Um, and we have nothing but respect for them, but it's been a very difficult discussion to have with our boys. And, and I want to say, I want to pretend that I live in a world that nobody's going to, everybody's going to look at my kids as, and see them as beautiful young little men. But I forget sometimes that not everyone is, uh, views us that way. And not everybody's happy that we're together. You know, not everybody likes the fact that we're an interracial couple. Um, I forget it until somebody says something to me and then I kind of go, Oh, and I'm in a unique perspective, too, of being a white woman and people not always knowing who my husband is. And they'll say very, you know, racially insensitive things. And then they hear, oh, your kids are half black. Oh, but my kids aren't, you know, quote unquote, half black. My kids are just black. And I um, that's how they're perceived by the world. Very often they're not white. They're black. Um, and having that conversation with our kids has been I didn't want to have that conversation with my kids. I didn't want to have to, quote unquote, label my child as black. Um even though that's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it was a weird, you know, D and I were hoping that we could raise our children as you're American and it doesn't matter the color of your skin, but there's still, it does still kind of matter. Like people still recognize it and not always appreciate it. And so we're, we're working, we're treading that, that area light with our kids of um, still stressing the fact that, you know, you, you aren't, you know, the color of your skin. You're not, you're, you aren't the amount of melanin in your skin. You are just who you are. And I, I believe they're getting that message strong, but also teaching our children to have a very um, high respect uh, regard for our law enforcement, um, to follow the rules, to um, make sure they're always watching out for each other, um, and, and also understand that not everybody in the world thinks the way we think. And, that you know, I unfortunately have some family members um, who don't agree with us being together, and that's very hurtful and and surprising enough there there aren't not everybody's happy with um an interracial couple luckily we live in california and, and a very diverse area so it hasn't been too big of a deal um but you know it, it kind of is what it is and i've been i was warned before d and i got married by quite a few people of just just know that when you guys get married you're going to live a harder life and i thought what does that mean i don't understand and for the most part i mean our life has just been amazing but every once in a while we run into um I'll call it ignorance, um, people that will say hurtful or mean things to us. And it is what it is. Everybody has the right to their opinion. But hopefully we can teach our boys to love and, and uh, accept everyone, no matter their race or relig religion or um, sexual orientation. How, how do you define racism, Dee? How would you personally define racism? I, I think it's just, it, it depends on the, the person. Me, myself, I think it's just an ignorance of just not knowing exactly what you're hating against. Um, if you don't understand the culture or, or the background or just the thought process of how other people think, then it doesn't make sense to why you should 
project hate. You know, we all are on this earth for a reason. And for, for whatever reason, hate is just that construct that man created. And, and it's sad that that's the way it is. But, you know, I don't hide from it. You know, I can't block my kids from it. It's just out there. Um, but my job is to make sure that they understand that there are things out there that will try to hurt them or there's people out there that will try to hurt them. And my goal is to prepare them for that. So then that way they can be the bigger person and overcome it. Or if, if it's a situation where they need to protect someone, then they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way I'm raising my kids. And that's how I see my kids raising their kids later, you know, when they decide to have kids and so forth. Um, it's just, to me, it doesn't make sense that, that it's here, but it's here. And, you know, we all have to live with it until everyone starts changing. Um, we really tried to shelter them. Yeah. I mean, we, we tried to. And. You know, when it comes up, it comes up, and then we'll we'll attack it. And but the thing is, we don't watch television all the time, so we don't get to see things. And then it happened to be that one time we turn on television, and yeah. then you know our kids are downstairs because you know they like playing Minecraft. And you know it was on the last channel that I, I think it was a recording that I had, and boom, it came up, and I was like, oh great, now talking about all the yeah yeah. So now it's like now I have to and all the racial this. tension, yeah. and they're going, why I don't understand. Yeah. Why and having that discussion, I was in tears. I had to kind of turn away from my son, but he said, "Well, why are they saying that they killed that guy because he's black, but he's not black, he's brown?" And then because we never even told our, you know, our kids don't even understand that there they say dad's not black, he's brown. So saying, "Well, technically wow. he's black," and then I realized now what did I just do? I've watched a lot of great videos the last week, but what I just did is I classified. My husband as black because as a nation, that is how we have classified him. Therefore, I am now perpetuating that classification and teaching yes. children that that is how you are classified. And that yes. that was a very like pivotal moment. It's just last week. Thing. Yeah, because it's now it's like it sucks. The world just changed this view that we you know we've selected for our kids, and now it's just like now it's there. It's now like, we yeah like and so they're asking me they're like so are we black and I'm like well. They said because you always said that we're mocha, you know, like we're a little, <laughs> we're a little bit of mom and we're a little bit of dad. But the reality yeah. is, is that kids look at my children and they're like, well, I mean, some people will say they're mixed, but most people say, oh, well, you're, oh, your children are black. You have black children. I mean, I have people say that to me, and I kind of want to say, well, yeah, they are, but they're also half white. I mean, they're both, but right. it doesn't really matter. Why are we even talking about that? Right. Oh, and I, and I'm so glad that you made that point because that that's that is. The, the word classification is the word that you used uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, but I wonder if that's part of the reason why this is still such a prominent issue in conversation in 2016. The perpetuation of stereotypes. And I, um, the, the one other thing that hit me, and this was before all this happened, but it was about a month ago or so, um, something came up in my newsfeed on Facebook about, it was just 50 years ago, it was still illegal for D and me to be married. I think it was like in Kentucky or something like that. Wow. And, I, and that hit me. I said, gosh, in my dad's lifetime, in my father's lifetime, it was still illegal. And how far we've come in just the last 50 years. And sometimes I have to remember that. I mean, it being in our generation where D and I are like, this isn't, is this still an issue? Like we have to kind of look like, really, are we still talking about this? Right. It's, it can be so exhausting. We just want to live our life. But in the same breath, like we've come real as a nation, we've come really far in 50 years. I think that I think that there is a little bit of complacency um, in that regard. And I think that's where a lot of the movement's coming and where people are, are saying, look, there are still issues, guys. Even though we've come this far, there's issues that need to be addressed. 
whether it's within, you know, law enforcement or whatnot. I mean, there's been things that, like I said, people wouldn't, like when I worked in a home health and whatnot where they didn't know my husband was black, and I would hear families talk about, well, I would never let my, I'd be so mad if my daughter ever dated a black man or, and, and just like a lot. I heard this a lot being out in the field. And, um, and my thought, and these are from younger people. This is like 50 years old and under. And I would think, and I thought in my mind, gosh, I didn't realize that my sons may not be, they're, they're girls that they date, that that still might be an issue. And that hurt and that came home. And so hopefully we have the discussion and we can move forward as a nation um, so that this isn't such a quote unquote issue, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate you being willing to share your perspective on that. Nathan, I just want to say one last thing. My mom told me about a week before Dee and I were married. She said, you have an opportunity, um, you and Dee, she sat us both down, have an opportunity to be a light and a witness to people because people are going to watch you more than they watch other people. You guys look different. You act different. You are, you know, an interracial couple. So people are going to watch you. And um, I thought, really, they're going to watch us? And they do. They watch us heavily. And we have taken that opportunity to hopefully be a very positive role model, not... Um, just, you know, within business and the photography, but also in just in a marriage and what a marriage should look like, where we feel like we've been almost given a, um, a, a soapbox, I guess, if you want to say it that way, of this is what a happy marriage can look like, no matter, you know, what the, the race is or whatever. Um, yes, we have dealt with things, but everybody deals with things. Everybody has issues. Um, but we can show people like D I think is, is a phenomenal father and he's very active on social media. So people see a good role model of what an active father looks like and, and can be even as a role model for other young fathers coming out and saying, wow, okay, that's cool. Look, he's, he does a lot with his kids and, and that's what a father should look like. So we really try to take that platform to, to, um, help motivate people to be very active with their children and love one another. Right. And I'll never post anything negative about my family or never. anything on Facebook Never, because it's not the world's concern. You know, I understand right. that people have a voice and they use it and they, this is social media and it's like, you know, it's it really trying just, to be positive. Yeah. Someone's bouncing board and I, and I get it. But for us, it, you know, as a family and I, I like my family to be a family and not just, you know, I don't, downgrade my wife. I don't talk about bad about my kids. I don't talk bad about my family members. You know, the world doesn't need to know that. We all have problems, but the right. world doesn't need to know our individual problem. Right. Let's just be positive. Yeah, it's just, so it's always, we're always projected positive messages for everyone. So then right. that way, you know, maybe we've helped one person, you know, put a smile on their face or maybe Caleb did a funny dance and then, you know, yeah. that like, <laughs> you know, sparkles into two smiles, you know, I mean, we just want the world to be happy. I mean, so we're idealists about, you know, the world being happy and, you know. But if we can use our family. Can, yeah, if we can use our family as to be that, that board of that contract to say, hey, everything will be all right. Yeah. Then, you know, yeah, we can. Yeah, then we can too. So. Uh, before we close out, do you have one maybe major piece of advice that you would want to leave with with photographers, whether it's business uh, or maybe something more on a personal level? What What would you... Uh, what would you recommend to them or what piece of advice would you give to them? Get help. You know, if yeah. there's something that they're struggling with, you know, ask for help. There are so many groups now on Facebook and um, even, you know, like uh, groups in the, around the city, you'd be surprised at how many meetups there are of just the wealth of knowledge of people out there who are just willing to share what they know. Um, and so they, just so people understand that in photography, you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, there are so many other photographers out there who are willing to share and help. I mean, even when I started out, 
um, you know, I've, I've asked for help and some, you know, some of the doors have shut, and, you know, that's fine. And so I just learn and move on. But I mean, you know, if anyone asks me something, I'm always willing to share. There is no secret, you know, yeah. it's just, this is what I do. And this is what made me, you know, my, some of my images and, you know, people yeah. ask me, like, how did you do that? It's like, oh, that's easy. You just do this. Right. But I have to think, just, I'm not, I'm not a great teacher, but I can explain to you how I created the shot. And people ask me, you should do classes. Like, well, it's only because I'm not a great teacher, but I can show you exactly what you need to do to make yourself successful. Even Chris, I mean, she's amazing at what she does. And I just want people just to say, hey, there is help out there. Don't feel like you're alone. I mean, there's tons of opportunities and windows and I would doors. Definitely, and, yeah. and I would definitely say um, my, what I would leave with, with people would be um, write down, make a list what you love and what you hate within the photography world um, and do what you love and then uh, <laughs> hire somebody else to do what you hate. Um, that's pretty much the best advice I could give anybody. That's when I finally started getting my life back. Um, you know, if you hate the marketing, if you hate the editing, if you hate uh, like album design, hire somebody to do it. Um, it will, you know, use your energy for uh, what you love uh, or else you're going to get burned out real quick. And, and I, I would echo you, get help. Um, ask help. Don't be afraid. Well, that's an absolutely perfect way to round out the this. I, I, I hesitate to say interview because really it's just been a great conversation with uh, some really beautiful people. And I can't thank you guys enough for making the time again here at the end of the week and just before we get into the weekend for sitting down and having a conversation. It was really great to connect with you guys. Uh, and I'll certainly keep everyone posted if you guys haven't checked out uh, D and Chris's website. It's D and Chris photography.com. Yep. And uh, make sure you go take a look at their work, connect with them on social media. And uh, guys, thank you again so much. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful weekend with your family. Thank you. Thank you. you too. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.